Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. We are coming to you live from a nearly sold out Nan Cave in Danville, Pennsylvania. Spielberg is not with us today, but uh, I am here, your host, Nevin Gorky, known as Dial Up in the Gloom, to my F3 brothers. Wait, known as who? Oh, oh wait, I'm known as DFib. <laughs> I'm joined by Dial Up. There you go. I have been off all day today. You know what I did this morning? What did you do this morning? I was so discombobulated. I have a routine to get out of the door. You know, I know yeah. one thing you didn't do this morning. You didn't come to the beatdown. Well, it's because I had to go to work. Okay, anyway. But uh, so I get up, <laughs> I get up, and I have this routine to get out the door, and I was cooking my eggs. And I was, I don't know if I was half asleep or just, my, I've been off all day. I forgot to put Pam in the pan. So uh-huh. So I went to flip my eggs and Did they you all- say Pam or Pan? Pam in pan the Pan or Pam? Pam? Pam in the Pan. Pam or Pan? <laughs> you don't get the reference, do you? No, I do not. Okay. Step brothers. Sorry. Anyway, uh, carry on. <laughs> so anyway, my eggs stuck. I got all mad. So anyway, I've been off ever since. Did a- had a difficult vein harvest today, but it turned out okay. But here we are now. I'm off for the weekend. Joined by Elliot Gordon today. He's our guest. He's known as Photo Finish in the gloom to his F3 brothers. For those of you who don't know, F3 stands for Fitness, Fellowship, and Faith. It is an organization that is free, okay? So what we do is we go outside and work out hard together in the, in the outdoors. The core principles are that it is open to all men, it's as I said. It's free of charge, open to all men. Any man can come, and uh, it is pure led on a rotational basis. So the guys that uh, that participate have to take their turn leading the workout. It is always held outdoors, rain or shine, and it always ends in what we call a circle of trust. We have been featured recently on the front page of the New York Times, six different continents, and a whole bunch of regions, including the F three Susquehanna Valley, which is where we're coming to you from. Dial up my co-host. Troy Klinger's his real name is here today and taking over the job of Spielberg as well because Spiely is um, out. Uh, we don't know what he's doing. I think he's with a Christian men's group. Yes. Or no, young life group, right? Trying to meet a young Christian lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. But anyway. I was trying to find a witty way to say that, but I, I'm, I'm not doing it today. We were both thinking I, the same thing as yeah, we usually do. I know. I'm, I'm off today. I just yeah. can't. I need you today. All right, so Dialup's going to function as the tech sound guy, co-host, and he's going to have to function part, partly as host because I'm off my game today. But anyway, we've got Photo Finish with us. He is a high-impact man, and the reason that he's on this show is to tell us his story. I think you're going to be encouraged and hopefully motivated by his story because he uh, is a runner, and he was training for the Boston Marathon when he had what could have been a, a life-ending uh, health event called an aortic dissection. I know all about those. So uh, we're going to bring in uh, Photo Finish and let him tell his story. Photo Finish, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure, indeed. Uh, do you want, shall I just basically tell the story? Well, hold on, brother. We'll get you there. All right. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, so, so we usually get a bio from everybody. Some guys send a huge bio with a lot of details. Some guys don't send that much. Photo finish didn't, didn't send that much. So you're going to have to go under, undergo uh, uh, scrutiny and interrogation here from, to pull all the... I think he's ready to go, though. It's I don't completely harmless, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think nothing. 
if if an aortic aortic dissection didn't face this, yeah, dude, right. He's he's not. Right. Nothing's bringing him down. We're not going to do anything. To him. And he's right. all dressed up. He's got a shirt and tie on for the podcast. You can't right. see him. But yeah. That is the respect we expect of all our guests. No, just kidding. And we should give a shout out to our F three Princeton guys for recommending. Yes, uh, from F three Princeton. So yeah, shout out to F three Princeton. Whoop, whoop. All right, we love those guys. All right, go ahead, get started. Okay, all right. So, photo finish. What I'd like you to do is tell us, tell us where you grew up, where you're from, what your family life was like. Tell us that. Let's get a well, little uh, background. Brooklyn, well, uh, grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Until uh, I was about five or six, they moved to Westchester County, New York, and was there basically until college. And uh, from college, a uh, couple of years in active duty in the Navy. The rest reserve in the Navy until finally they said enough is enough and retired uh, from the Navy Reserve. Um, what else do you need? Well, you know, what What do you do in the Navy Reserves? Because Army Reserves, they could still do drills on land and stuff. Do you go out on like a river or a lake or something? What do you, what do, you do well, in the Navy Reserves? This, this actually was uh, inshore undersea warfare. At the time, they were worried about submarines off our coast. So we had equipment which would have sonar buoys in the water and we would listen basically for subs. And that was the, the, the purpose of the unit. Uh, now the unit is gone because the uh, threat of the subs really has diminished. Uh, now it's more that you'll just see a flash of light and that'll be the end of it, you know, with the nuclear age. Right. Um, and in, in the Navy, it was on an LSD, a landing ship uh, uh, tank, which they... Uh, affectionately say LSD is long, slow target. <laughs> and I was on that for a year, and then it was getting decommissioned, so uh, I was shipped up to Kodiak, Alaska for a year, which was pretty much of a paradise. Uh, it really was nice. Uh, when I was in uh, Kodiak, I was about to get out, and I said, well, I need a head, heads up against competition, so I applied to Adelphi University for a master's degree, and I was Got down there and I got a call from the Navy saying, Hey, you got reserve duty. Oh, okay. And they said, Here, try this unit in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, which I did. I liked it. And that started the reserve and uh, enjoyed that. Um, after the masters, I uh, went to NYU to get the doctorate, all in basically in biology, and uh, had a course in toxicology there. And when I got out, the Frederick Cancer Center needed a toxicologist. I'm like, well, I took a course. And that's <laughs> how I got into toxicology. Nice. And at the time, there was, there was no um, certification of, of toxicologists. It was still a young profession. So it wasn't until 1980 that we, in fact, had to pass an exam to get certified, which I took and I passed. And every five years, you renew. And uh, that's what I did. I worked... Uh, mainly, um, initially for mobile oil and then that little bit of FMC, but most of my time was with an Israeli pesticide company, Makhshemagan of North America out of New York. And I was with them for 19 years until they decided to move to Raleigh, North Carolina, at which point I became a consultant initially for them, but then I had other, uh, tasks also, other, other clients. But uh, mainly it's risk assessment of pesticides to make sure they're safe and to develop data for EPA to say, okay, we'll give you a registration. So there's a lot of data EPA requires, and we generate acute data, subchronic, chronic, uh, 
whether it's carcinogenic, is it mutagenic, does it cause birth defects, um, all of the things that, that people are worried about and EPA certainly is worried about. And uh, if they, the data integrated all the data and said, yeah, it's safe under these circumstances, they give you a registration. And then the company is off and running selling the product. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, how long can do you have to study a chemical before you could say it's safe? Because some of the mutagenesis and all that stuff could happen years later, right? Um, well, the mutagenesis is really has to be done early because uh, that's one of the keys for carcinogenicity. Uh-huh. So initially, you will do the acute studies. What's the LD50? How much does it take to kill you? Is it irritating to the eyes? Irritating to the skin? Um, is it uh, what's the toxicity? Inhalation? Those are the quick studies. And then subchronic studies to develop the, the data to say how much do we have to give to the rats and mice long term to see whether or not it, it is in fact carcinogenic. Right. And, and one of the, when I joined the company, the, the gentleman who hired me said, well, we have this fungicide, TAPTAN, which EPA says is a carcinogen. Your job, make it not a carcinogen. So that's what I worked on. And I made it a, not a carcinogen, although it took a number of years and a lot of data. Uh, and basically what I showed was that it disintegrates so fast in the human body that it never gets to be act as a carcinogen where it does in mice and rats. And EPA, after some time, said, okay, we agree. And so they, they reclassified it. Well, that's interesting. Did you get college kids to volunteer for that? Or- <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that would be good. <laughs> it, it's interesting. I, I guess I always thought of like toxicologists working in like the hospital environment, right? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, and like, you know, like figuring out what's poisoning patients but, but uh yeah, yeah I never I don't well, that, that's more yeah that's more clinical that's yeah more physician yeah i never this even is, thought about the field out where where you're where you're working so cool yeah. are you still working yeah. well basically no i mean simply because the uh the work stopped and uh i said okay now that i'm 80 enough is enough so <laughs> but if projects come my way um you know i still do it i have a little project working for uh, Utrecht, which is an art supply company, where they have a product which one, uh, well, Duke uh, looked at it and said, oh, you need to have a danger signal on there saying it causes severe eye irritation. And I looked at it and said, well, not necessarily. So we're going back and forth because the product they're having has an eye irritant in it, but it's a very low percentage, mm-hmm. 1%. And What's not clear is whether or not Duke looked at the product as 100%, which is very bad to the eyes. So we are hopefully we'll resolve that and they can market the product. But right now it's in limbo. Yeah. Now, when you were growing up, uh, were, you, were you an athlete? Did you participate participate in sports like that? Because I know eventually you were a runner and you were training for the Boston Marathon. Were you always athletic? Yeah. Well, I was. I, I did uh, wrestling in high school. And... Uh, was a wrestler, and I went to, to Cornell, and I said, well, I'll be a wrestler. And that's when I found out the difference between me as a wrestler and a real wrestler. <laughs> was <laughs> Cornell know? as good back then as they are now? Because they're one of the top in the country yeah. now. Were they that good yeah. then? Um, I don't know. 
I mean, compared to then and now, I don't know. All yeah. I know is that there were some very good wrestlers there. Right. And it didn't take me long to say, well, this is not my cup of tea. <laughs> and as far as running, uh, I, I would run, uh, I, I enjoyed running four miles, five miles, and so forth. <clears throat> I was working up in Boston, and a guy named Ernie Marquez said, hey, marathon. I looked at him like he was crazy. Marathon? <laughs> no, 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 really. Stick with me. I'll train you. We'll go down and do the Marine Corps in 1984. Uh-huh. Okay. So he did. He trained me. And we went down in 1984, did the first mm-hmm. marathon. And uh, if you talk to most marathon runners, after the first one, they say, oh, okay, this thing's bad. And I started doing marathons at that point. And uh, as you know, the marathons basically saved my life. I was trained for the Boston, which was May 20th of 2009 and uh, I went down two weeks before and the surgeon said if you were not in good shape you never would have made it and uh, it's uh, an interesting sideline I I went to a memorial for my cousin uh, a few weeks ago and someone said oh you talked to this guy George he had an aortic dissection we started talking that we both had aortic dissections we both survived we both were in good physical shape, and both surgeons said if you weren't, you wouldn't have survived, so forth. We had a whole bunch of things that were similar, but the interesting thing at the end is he told my wife, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 80, just turned 80. She said, what, what's your birthday? September 3rd, 1942. September 3rd, 1942. Quite amazing. Exactly wow. the same age. Wow. So that happened in, what year was that? Uh, 2009, if I can remember. 2009, so you were about 13 years younger, right? So you were in your yeah. late 60s? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, in the hospital for a long time, in ICU and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at the pictures, I said, how do I survive? I mean, it's all wired up and so forth. And I remember when, uh, well, when I, w- I, I was sitting in this chair, and I just simply went down and collapsed. My wife came home, found me on the floor, and went into the hospital. The hospital initially said, oh, well, we think he had a, a something or other. We'll observe him. And my wife said, he doesn't have a something or other. Called the cardiologist. He said, I'll do an echo. So we ordered an echo next morning. My wife comes and what the echo show? And they said, oh, the technician hasn't come yet. So my wife, being the advocate, <laughs> sort of blew up. Technician came pretty soon and did, you know, looking. Said, oh, I gotta make a phone call. Called the cardiologist. I told him what he what what uh, she found. He gets on the speakerphone and says, Gordon, you're a dead man. Unless we get you down to UPenn, I'll call ahead. The surgery be ready, and we'll go, you know, immediately in. So I remember telling my wife, oh, they're gonna open me up and so forth. They they got me down. They were worried or. Uh, arguing whether a helicopter or, or this was a rainy, the cardiologist says, put him on an ambulance and go, which they did. And uh, I woke up, what, three or four weeks later, and uh, they lifted me up. And first thing I said, how did you do that? And they looked, how did you do what? They said, how did you get that board under me? And they laughed. The board's been under you <laughs> for, for quite a while. And, uh, and I also lost my kidney. That's the other interesting thing is that I was on dialysis and I didn't even know it because I, you know, I was out of it. Uh, but when I realized it, I said to the 
doctor, when do I get off dialysis? He says, how much urine are you making? Oh, two or 300 mLs because they're measured. Well, come back when you're making about 1,200. Eventually, you're making more. I said, when do I get off? He said, well, unfortunately, every day you're not off dialysis, the chance of getting off goes down. Oh, okay. So I, I get out of the hospital, and uh, my wife takes me two times a week, 5 o'clock, for dialysis. And I start pestering the doctor, an Indian guy. I said, when do I get off? When do I get off? He finally looks at me and he says, you like taking risks? I'll take you off. So no dialysis. Come back next week. We'll take some blood, take it upstairs, stat. And if the creatinine or BUN is too high, to the chair. Otherwise, come back next week. We'll do it again. It was still okay. And uh, so every month I would go back. And then every six months. And now it's every year. I see him again in, in a couple of weeks. All right. Let me ask uh, you. Let me stop you for just a second. Yeah. So um, your, your first symptom was that you passed out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you, simply, yeah. When you yeah. went to the hospital um, and you were awake, were you having any other symptoms? Were you having chest no. pain, back pain, leg nothing. pain? Nothing. Nothing. No. Okay. Not that, no. That's what I can remember at all. Yeah. Oftentimes there is pain. And right. in fact, the other gentleman who uh, I met where so, uh, so many things are similar, he... Uh, was about to be discharged as I was, and he complained of leg leg uh, pain in his leg and so forth. Right. And the uh, the physician in the uh, emergency room said, "Wait a second, that doesn't sound right. Hold on, let's go further." And then they found the dissection, similar to mine. Yeah. Because they were going to discharge me, or you know. So it it's a matter of you have an advocate, you have good physicians. And then, of course, at the end, you have a good surgeon, right? Because fixing a aortic dissection is a challenge. Yeah, let me let me uh, just explain what that is to folks. So, an aor the aorta aorta is the large artery that comes out of your heart, and so the your heart pumps the blood through the aorta, and as it comes up out of the top of your heart, it goes up and makes a turn and goes down through your chest, through your belly. But all off the aorta, there's branches, you know, branches that go to your arms and brain and your spine and uh, all the organs in your belly. And then when it gets down in the bottom of your belly, it splits into two. One goes down the right leg, one goes down the left leg. So what an aortic dissection is, it, an aorta is like, um, it's an artery. The artery is made up of layers. And if you've ever seen a, a, a cardboard tube where it's kind of like there's like different, different layers, if you could peel off the inside layer of that cardboard tube, that's what happens with an aortic dissection. For whatever reason, a little hole or crack occurs on the inside layer and the force of the blood being pumped out of your heart shears off that layer on the inside of the aorta, and it starts tearing the aorta on the inside. So it doesn't, it can, but it doesn't always pop out the outside, so you don't bleed to death. What's, right. what's dangerous about it is if it goes towards your heart, it'll, that's how you die. You could also die from a stroke and other things. The dissection, if the tear point, if there's a tear in the part of the aorta from your heart to where it makes the turn, which is a short part of the aorta called the ascending aorta, ascending aorta. If that's involved, that requires emergency surgery or you're going to die. And so that's what you had. Sometimes the tear is not there. It's a little further downstream. And then that sometimes is managed medically. Today they could put stents in and stuff like that. So you had what's called a type A aortic dissection. 
which means it occurred in that part right above your heart. And and they were right. If you didn't have surgery right away, you could and you could die quickly. So you could have died very quickly. It was it was actually a bad miss that they didn't recognize that when you first got there because you spent the night in the hospital with this thing and the next day. So you know that's that's unfortunate that that happened. But fortunately, uh, you were okay. But that's why I asked you if you had any other symptoms because most of the time, not most of the time, but frequently, classically, the symptoms are chest pain goes through to your back, that kind of thing. Some patients we just I, I just did three of them in the last month, so uh, or helped with three of them. The one guy showed up because his legs started hurting because the dissection starts blocking off the blood vessels, and he blocked off blood flow to his leg and started pain in his leg, and that's that's how your buddy George yes. presented, and that's how this guy did too. So anyway, that's a little description of an aortic dissection. The operation is one of the biggest operations you could have of all operations there are. And so that it requires frequently, you have to have, it's open heart surgery. We don't actually open the heart usually, but sometimes your, your valve has to be replaced too. Um, but frequently we put people on the heart lung machine, we could operate on their heart. In this case, because we have to take out the aorta where we put the tube for the heart lung machine to bring the blood back to your heart, we're taking that out. Because so frequently we have to stop circulation completely. So we have to cool the patient way, way, way down, deep hypothermia, the whole body, and then stop the blood flow uh, to the body. There are ways to keep it going to the brain these days that we do, but stop the blood flow to the body, quickly take it out and sew in the, the, the graft, and then restore the blood flow. So it's a major operation with a lot of potential complications. So you have had a good result from that. Sounds like you spent a lot of time in the intensive care unit, but yeah. here you are now, what, 13 years later or whatever it is, 14, uh, 14 years later, something like that, and, uh, and you're alive and kicking, right? Yeah. And when I left the hospital, I said, can I still run? And they said, well, yeah. I mean, we want you to, if you can run, that's, that's good. And so I had, uh, uh, I did three half marathons after that. How, now, how long, how long from the, Eric, the, the surgery to the first half marathon? Uh, probably two years. I first did an 8K. Okay. And what's interesting is I had a friend up in Boston who was a smoker. Matthew, and I would go by him and say, Matthew, that's when you could smoke at work, and this and that. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> one day he quit, and sometime later he went out for a jog with his daughter. He came back, and he goes, oh, I didn't die. I feel <laughs> pretty good. I think I'll follow Gordon. He became a runner, and we did marathons together. Wow. So when I got out and I was going to do an 8K, he flew down from Boston to do an 8K with me, and did the half marathons with me. Mm-hmm. And so it was really uh, a wonderful experience. He's a great, great friend. Uh, but by the third mar- half marathon, my feet said enough. <laughs> and uh, now I can't run at all. Uh, I mean, you know, I can run, but the, the feet just rebel. Right. And in fact, last week uh, we at the F3, they were working out, and I just took a jog. I said, I'm going to go longer. And the next day, couldn't walk so i've come to realize that you know as we age body changes you're just realizing that uh, now (laughs) (laughs) so how how many marathons have you done uh 42 42 and how many how how many bostons um my third boston third boston i think i did two bostons before and it would have been my i think it was the third boston so uh yeah i'm you know I would have loved to be able to do it. Well, if you're yeah. running Boston's, you got to qualify for that. So that means he had to be pretty fast, right? Yeah. 
Well, you have to qualify it or you have to get over. Oh, okay. And I had, I had to do it. I had to wait till I got to be 60, I think, before I qualified because my timing is average. Yeah. So as soon as I hit 60, I said, okay, now I qualify. They give you like they give you like five minutes every five years, right? I think once you're over forty or something like that. Oh, you mean n- not just anybody over sixty can go? He still has to qualify. Yeah, like you okay. still, still have to qualify. Have to qualify. Yeah. yeah, but he yeah. he was probably just like holding steady at his time, and right. and slowly the qualifying time met him. So exactly. instead yeah. of instead exactly. of him meeting the qualifying for a moment there, I thought not that I was going to do, but for a moment there, I thought, well, if I hit sixty, I can run a Boston. But nope, that's not going to happen. Yeah, they they do have some charity cases that they accept. <laughs> no, 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 I, no, no, I know. No, you no, can no, get no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't mean that you're a charity I know, case. I, I meant that you could get in like Dana Farber and some other uh, like the uh, other other yeah. nonprofit <laughs> organizations. I am a charity. You case. could be their charity <laughs> case though. <laughs> I'm definitely a charity case when it yeah, comes to running. It's all good. I'll tell you what. I feel good today though. Good. I don't know why. I felt like I go run forever today, but I ran three three out of the last four days, last two days, and this morning I just didn't want to fake, wake up early enough to run. That's no excuse because I could have run after work. But so anyway. photo finish. We're we're turning this guy over here, Defib, into a runner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I say there's there's a there's two people. There's there's runners and there's guys that run, and I'm a guy that runs. But he has Ranger panties, so that makes him. I a got runner. Ranger panties, and I love them. That's right. The chicks dig them. Yeah, photo finish. You should get some Ranger panties. What are Ranger pants? <laughs> They're just really, really short shorts with the F three logo on them. He probably wore those. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're as you're far, a. I'm sorry. Go ahead. As far as getting into F three, I was jogging uh, in the park, and I ran into these guys. They said, "Oh, you know, okay." And where I ran into them, I thought that's where they meet, but that's where they happen to be. So for the next couple of uh, times. Couldn't find them. The third time I, I found them, and then that was, what, three years ago, I guess, or so, and been with them since. So Yeah, that's my that was going to be my next question. You've been part of F3. What year was that that you started with F3? Well, I, I think three years ago. Whatever three years you, ago. You, know, you did say that. I can't do the math. So how did you get your name Photo Finish? Well, I, I do photography. Oh. So, yeah, um, I do, you know, portraits. That's, that's my second love, and now that I'm, quote, retired i'm trying to get back into a bit more photography i did a presentation to the senior center a couple of weeks ago uh, basically on how to take pictures and you know with with the iphone mm-hmm. and i went from my four by five camera which i started with my grandfather gave me when i was 13 you know through the two and a quarter cameras to the this and that now the iphone i said but the iphone works pretty well in fact it's amazing the iphone I said, you can do a lot with it. And so I talked about planning your picture. Uh, I did a, for instance, a, a photo at uh, Cornell. I wanted to get the stand, which is thousands of people. I wanted them as sharp as possible. So I had to uh, cut the lens down to F22 to get sharp and a slow shutter speed of a quarter of a second, which is very slow for football. But, but I took it when they were in the huddle, when they were lined up, not moving. Mm-hmm. And I took it. And in the presentation, I had this big picture with all these thousands of people just dots. Then I blew it up. You see them a little better. Blew it up some more. Then the final blow up is just the head of one of the, the players. And you recognize these people from across the field, which is, you know, pretty remarkable. Yeah. And then I talked about timing. I was at uh, Sandy Hook and uh, at the water, and it's nice. And I saw a sailboat coming into view. 
I said, oh, that's going to be nice to the sailboats over there. So I waited. But when the sailboat got into took the picture, and it's nice. And in the presentation, I had the one without the, the sailboat and then with it to show them. And then serendipity uh, pictures where you just happen to see something nice, you get it. Um, and one of them by accident, again, this is high school. I was a basketball game and I took a picture and I forgot to wind the film. I took another picture, forgot to wind the film, took a third picture. So when I developed it, I said, oh, what a disaster. Well, wait a second. I looked at it, the same guy, three shots. And they're in thirds of the negative. So three pictures of the same guy and they're three good pictures. So I have that, which is, and I say, what's the chance? Well, pretty, pretty minor because it's the only triple I ever took. Then you get the same guy, thirds of a negative and, and, uh, uh, all good shots. So it was pretty remarkable. And then, uh, and then I talked about famous shots, uh, the Winston Churchill portrait and, uh, shots which help change our approach to child labor, you know, the pictures mm -hmm. of yeah, yeah, yeah. and so forth. The, the, and then yeah. I did portraits and showed some of my portraits and brought my studio there and said, Hey, and he wants, want pictures. So I took pictures of about three or four of the people who were there, uh, just to, you know, give it to them. So it was turned out nice. Yeah. My, my wife did photography for a while and I learned a lot more than I ever thought I was going to learn about photography and lighting. Now I don't remember any of it. And I didn't learn that much compared to her, but, but this was before, right before digital cameras became really good and she was doing weddings and she was, um, very successful at it. Cause she was the only female photographer in the area and every woman that came to meet her hired her, but we had, yeah. we went, she went out to a conference, a wedding photography con conference in long Island. And, and I went with her and I got to golf out there twice. I got, I got to golf at Beth page, but I couldn't get on the black course cause I, Weren't good enough. No, no, <laughs> that's true. But I still could have got on. But uh, I, I played the course right next to. In fact, the first hole completely paralleled the first hole of the black course. And but we, I, we were leaving in the afternoon, and I, and I could have got on, but it, I, I, we were leaving. So anyway, um, but it was fascinating to learn all that stuff, uh, the lighting, the Rembrandt lighting, and all that. This, this podcast has yeah. gone off the rails. Dial up. Give me, I, give me I'm back. Just like sitting back, getting educated on <laughs> aortic dissections and photography. So. Well, right. pho photo and finish. And toxicology. Yeah, right. And yeah. toxicology. Right. So is a man of many talents. So photo, with your background in photography like that, do you take the pictures for the guys at the end of the beatdown? Generally, uh, no. I mean, they, they just take them with the, with the iPhone. They'll you know, line up and one guy holds the iPhone. They, really they got an and, expert here with them. You know, I you, know. you well, should. I've, I've done some uh, on the Saturdays when it's a big group. I brought my camera to take a good shot. So I'll set that up and either take it from my iPhone or 10, 10 second delays, which I did last time. And uh, so that works out well. And that, of course, is a better shot, a better picture because it's a better camera. But again, the iPhone does a pretty good job. You know, I know a few of those guys that they're going to need some Photoshopping. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. We're going to talk to yeah. those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my, I, I just talked to the senior center and said, Hey, if uh, you want another thing, I can do a, a Photoshop presentation. So what I'm thinking of is having <clears throat> the people send me pictures they would like, they need enhancements, and I'll take some and go with Photoshop and show what we do to make them better. 
you know, yeah. Yeah, even nice. to the extent of someone who was overweight, you wanted to look better, no problem. Oh, we, we should can, bring them down here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, F3 Nation. Should hire this guy. Yes, <laughs> as a nation's photographer. What are I'm putting what, a plug in for you, man. You what can are be the, the cue of then uh, nows? Then nows? Then right? nows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then nows. That's good. No, oh, we you only. Don't, you don't have to go on a diet. He'll we lose weight through hard work. Okay, all right. Yeah. And respect so, the so queen. photo. <laughs> so photo. Tell me what your uh, what your routines like now. So you you post with the guys at Princeton. Um, how yeah. many days a week do you post with them? What's your exercise routine like? Well, uh, actually, this. This morning they said, "Oh, you're here every day, every day this week." So generally, uh, we do Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at the community park, and Saturdays, and then Thursdays we go to Princeton Stadium and walk the stairs. Right. Yeah. And because I'm slower than they are, I mean, we got younger and, and faster. So I've been wearing a backpack with a 15 pound weight. 15 pounds is a lot of weight to start climbing stairs. And in fact, uh, yesterday, uh, halfway through, I said enough, I had to take the weight off because it was just, just too much. But, and I was looking at the heart rate and the heart rate, you know, got up there. Sure. And, and because I can't run anymore, I I miss the aerobic. So what I do is I have a Nordic track in the basement, you know, the old ski machine. Yeah. And that works, you know, it's an old one, but, it it does get the uh, metabolism up, which is nice. Do, do all the do all the Princeton boys wear the uh, the extra weight when they're doing the stadium workout? No, no, I, I was the only one. Oh, so they're and they're all a little just soft. The, just the quadruple respect. Yeah, they're guy. just they're all a little soft. Hey, Dick Clark, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, Dick Clark, but, but they'll do two steps at a time, and and you know, and uh, they'll get your exercise that way. Yeah, I, I simply can't can't move that fast anymore. All right, so. Dick Clark, time to get yourself a weighted vest. Is a Turbinator there? Cru- is that uh, otherwise cruiser. known as cruiser? Oh, cruiser, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, well, cruiser, he might not be able to do two steps at a time. He's a little short. <laughs> Cru- Turbinator, I love you. Uh, Turbinator, already- you better run next year in the BRR with us. Uh Oh, he's getting something well, from but behind. Cruiser, us. cruiser, put, put together this. I don't even see it, but it's a, it's a of montage of. Uh, the F3 photos plus a couple of my running photos. Cool. So it, it, nice. it was really nice. I mean, it was last Saturday. It was, I thought they, you know, you know, happy 80th and this and that, but it was a really nice uh, time. And, and I was, the mayor from the town was there. And oh, really? Uh, wow. It, oh, yeah. It was beautiful. And they, they made me a. Uh, He's reaching for it. This. this you see the high this, impact, uh, photo finish, high high impact, impact yeah. photo finish, the place for the glass, for the for the scotch or the bourbon. Oh, I thought that was and a paddle to beat people with. Yeah, well, yeah, right. <laughs> so I I, uh, I I took a picture of the, the, the scotch and the and the cigar and sent it to the gentleman who, who made this. It was really That's nice. very nice. That's really cool, yeah. Yeah. Well done, boys. Well, way to go, guys. Let's, I'm going to shout out Black Hole, Dick Clark, Dos Equis, Mountie, Terminator. Who am I missing? Uh, well, we got uh, Red Coat. Red Coat, yeah. And uh, yeah. why am I drawing a blank? I don't know. Well, if we missed you, we're sorry. We didn't yeah. mean it. Red co- uh, yeah, it's okay. It'll come to me in a second. Yeah. Well, that's great. They're doing great things there. That's pretty cool. So yeah. what's your what's your uh, 
least favorite thing to do? I know that running hurts your feet now, so let's leave that out. But what's your least favorite yeah. exercise? Uh, the um, burpees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel you. A burpee? Okay. You know, a 10 burpee. burpees? No, yeah, no, no. So uh, I'll, I'll off when they're doing burpees, I'll do Dorkins. Yep. Uh, yep. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, burpees are a challenge. You know, people don't know that every respect category you go up and climb into, the harder it is just to get down and up off the floor, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking, too, I think we need to reach out to F3 Nation on the Mudgear store. I think the, the T-shirts only go to triple respect. They only go to triple? Right. I All think right. so. Well, I think, yeah. Oh. That, that needs to be corrected right there, now. There's shirts out there. I don't know whether you've seen them out on the Mudgear store. You can get respect shirts, and I think they have respect, 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 and, and triple respect. But well, they got to up their game to quadruple respect. I don't know respect, if they do or not. You, you could be the only one, maybe. I They'll don't have know. to call it the photo finish Yeah, T-shirt. I wonder how many guys out there are, uh, that, that are in the quadruple respect category other than photo. Good question. Yeah, we have a guy who's in the triple respect category. He's 72, legend. Uh, legend's a... Uh, well, he's aptly named, right? Yeah. Uh, he's very, very inspirational, man. Yeah, he is. So, uh, but yeah, the guy's out there doing it. I tell you, you know, this is this podcast is bring on men to tell the story to motivate and encourage other guys, inspire other guys. If you aren't motivated and encouraged to go out and get in the gloom and get your butt working out by this 80-year-old who is posting five days a week, doing his Nordic track, he's getting an award tonight. That's why he's all dressed up. He's, come on. And he's a Jackie. This isn't speaking to you, right? And he's a Jackie legger. And he's Jackie. For all you squatty leggers out there listening, (laughs) it just speaks to the whole longevity argument, right? (laughs) Yeah. See, I rest rest my case. We got an N of one. We got got a quadruple respect Jackie legger on our podcast. Do we we have to tell everybody what that is? I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Doesn't everybody know? I don't know, but so so in our I'm going to tell the story. So in our region, we got a guy. We got various guys, right? We got Clodsdales and Gazelles, and Dial Up is basically the lead Gazelle. But one of our guys has a degree in exercise physiology. Dial Up has a degree in that, and Dial Up is a runner. And Jackie Legs basically means you're a runner, right? Yeah. And so you got the you got the skinny but strong legs that. Right. And then the other guy, I'm going to say it, it's Half Thor. Half Thor, and he getting these debates about, because Half Thor likes to lift. He's into the power lifting and stuff, right? Not much of uh, into the running. And uh, at, at least two or three times a year, the debate starts somewhere. It spills over to Slack. They're, they're throwing out different studies and data and results from this and that and what leads to better longevity, uh, squatting a lot of weight or running, uh, right? Not running a lot of weight, but not running. running, No, running or (laughs) squatting a lot of weight, right? Yeah. Strength versus, you know, aerobic. Jackie Lakers always prevail. (laughs) So dial up is feeling like. I'm the co-host. Yeah. Right. I get to say Jackie Lakers rule. You can do that. I am not the final arbiter on this. Half Thor, start your own podcast if you want (laughs) to argue otherwise. All you Clydesdales out there, his name is Dial Up. <laughs> I love the Clydesdales. I respect the Clydesdales. <laughs> well, I did, by the way, um, I contribute to UPenn, not obviously, but in, in giving back. So I've contributed a lot. So they, they had me down to see their new pavilion. And uh, I thought it was a tour. I'd be one of 20 people. No, it was just me. And I walk in there, and who's there to meet me? 
the surgeon who I hadn't seen in 13 years. Wow, wow that's was, cool. You know, he was there. And he was there for about 20 minutes before he got a call, of course, you know, had to, had to leave. But that was that was nice. That was just his secretary. And, that was planned. Give me 20 minutes. Give me a call. <laughs> I know yeah. these, I know how these doctors work. That. I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hey, I, I do want to go back to the F three part of uh, part of your life. Um, I'm curious. So, you know, you were a runner all this time. So, obviously, a lot of cardiovascular fitness in your life. I'm just curious what you've noticed as far as some of the benefits of of F three that you've realized since you've been participating in that. I, I I know what it's meant to me and some of the changes that it's kind of brought to me and the benefits it's brought to me. I'm curious yeah. curious Great to hear question. from you. Well, I. I Personally, I think the middle F, the fellowship, mm-hmm. is the it's a big deal. Yeah, the the fitness is there, but I miss the there's no real aerobic in in a workout. So I do that with the the, the uh, uh, ski machine, but it's the fellowship. I mean, uh, I've had some other medical issues. I had seizures. I had a seizure during one of the workouts. Oh boy! And uh, it took about three seconds for them, you know, to that, grab me and took me to the ER. And I said, "Whoa, how many people would do that?" I mean, these these guys really care, and uh, they they took me to the to the hospital, waited till my wife got there, went back, got my car, drove it back home, you know. So it, the fellowship is is to me one of the nice things to take away from F3. That's great. Uh, so just curious, did they tell you what the seizure was caused by? Well, they think it's, I, I had some uh, small strokes, cerebellum strokes, and they said the strokes are, generally seizures come from the strokes. Right. So, uh, so that, that, you know, and then they put me on Keppra for mm-hmm. seizures. Right. And I haven't had any since. Were, were the strokes were the strokes from your aortic dissection in that operation? Is that when it occurred? No, not that I know of. Okay, it's just you know, little little, little things, and and uh, the doctor showed the 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 uh, graph and the little dot. I said, "What else are the little dots?" He said, "Oh, those are the little strokes." Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that probably. Uh, I'm the odds are that was from your aortic dissection operation because that's one of the risks. You get a shower of little tiny clots. Um, things that could yeah. happen. I don't know for sure, but that it could have happened then. Yeah. Cause you didn't know that yeah. you had a stroke, right? Not, not enough time. No, at right. that time I didn't know. Well, you didn't, you there's know. no, the time, other, there's no time after that where all of a, you said, Oh, I had a stroke. So you, you yeah. didn't even, yeah, no. I got it. Yeah. And, and the other, the only other beside the kidneys is, uh, even when I was at the hospital, all of a sudden I'm looking at my toes turning black mm-hmm. because of the loss of blood. I lost tissues in my toes. Uh, which I still feel now because they're Abby normal. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't stop me from being able to run. Um, and if the ankles were okay, I could still, you know, run, but the ankles just don't, uh, live up to it. You didn't lose any toes, did you? No. Okay. No, just, just, you know, the toenails are all, you know, screwed up. I lost some toenails with right. the flesh yeah. and so forth. And I kept them in a little thing here until my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you get ever put them back on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay. <laughs> but, but you give me a choice of living with full or living with 
partial toes or not living, I'll take it. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, about <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. dodged a bullet there. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So let me t- let me ask you this: What's your what kind of faith do you have? And the, the third F is the faith part. What what? Hey, brought up Jewish. Uh-huh. Um, not not a real uh, participating Jew. I, in fact, I tried to fast during Yom Kippur this year. That just started, right? About five Didn't that just start? Just, yes. Yeah. It was two days ago. Yeah. And uh, and so my wife looked at me and said, "You got to eat something." If I was, you know really down. Right. So he said, you know, you're 80, you can't fast. Okay. <laughs> so I, so I and, uh, and, uh, she is, uh, Protestant as far as I know. Hey, Lynn. <laughs> what religion he's, are you? He's calling her just to check. <laughs> yeah. She should come in anyway. Hey, Lynn. No, she's probably on the phone. That's great. So, yeah. yeah. How so, long have you been married? <laughs> Uh, 35 years. Okay. All right. Second, you know, second time. He never thought of know, asking her till now. <laughs> you know, I was married for 15 initially, had three three children. One unfortunately passed away. She had a, a major stroke oh. and uh, was disabled. And, and she was with my ex-wife and because her husband passed away. And uh, because she couldn't get out of bed and urinary problems, she got UTIs. She got a UTI. I'm, I'm editorializing now, which was not addressed sufficiently, mm-hmm. and she wound up with uh, a systemic problem, which took her out, which was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so my son is in Boston. He has two kids, and my other daughter is south of here. But as a hey, Lynn. Excuse me, I'm on dinner. Okay. Dinner. So, Dinner. So, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll only keep you a couple more minutes. Yeah. Give, give us give us four, three more minutes. All right. Three minutes, Lynn. <laughs> three minutes, Lynn. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, and now if you want, you can bring Lynn in with your food. You, you guys could both, you, she could join us and you could eat while you talk if you want. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah. I could go and ask her. Well, now, now that, that sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, Let's, probably not. Yeah, I, all, right. Done that. Idea. <laughs> all right. I got one question for you. The last question, I guess, since you got to go, uh, this is your chance to speak to the men of America, the people that are going to listen to this podcast. What message do you have for the men of America? Physical fitness is very important. Physical fitness is, I'm a proselytizer saying keep fit because in my case, it saved my life. And in everyone else's case, you have a better life if you're physically fit. Um, end of story. And uh, the more you can do to maintain that physical fitness, the better off you'll be. Yeah, and it's better to do it with other guys, right? Yeah, well, either way. But but certainly I was happy to, to run into F3 because I, I enjoy the, the, the people and the company and the fellowship. So that's 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 great. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, Dial-up, do you have any further questions for Photo Finish? No, no. It's uh, another great another great episode, in, in my opinion, and another high-impact man that we're talking to here who's yeah. Yeah. Done, yeah. done a lot in life. Yeah, we sure. just spoke to another high-impact man of many talents. Yeah. Now, listen, Photo, God bless you. Thank you for joining us. You need to go find out what religion your wife is. <laughs> Enjoy your dinner. <laughs> Enjoy your dinner. 
And, Thank you. And God bless you, and congratulations on your award tonight. Oh, tell everybody what award you're getting tonight. We, we talked about this before we started the, the podcast. Say again? It's, What's the award you're getting tonight? Oh, it's, it's just that I contribute to the Arts Center, so they're having a reception to say that. All right. I'm coming here. All right, he's got to go. Photo finish has to go. His wife is calling go. him. Food's right. getting cold. All right. All right. Thanks, Photo. See All you right. later. See you, brother. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.